everybody. Welcome to New Life Church. Thank you for being here for one of the weeks in our current series entitled Doomsday. Now that's an exciting title, isn't it? It's encouraging too, by the way, people. It really is. It really is. I'm not joking. So my name's Jeff. Uh, I get the chance of being one of the pastors here. And so thank you guys for showing up. Uh, I've got to say a big hello to everybody that's worshiping with us in uh, one of our campuses, as well as everyone that might be worshiping with us online. We're excited to have you a part of New Life Church. So let me tell you why the Doomsday Prepper series is really something that should be exciting for you, okay? Man, he prepares for all types of different doomsday events. We've talked about those in some of these previous weeks, natural disasters, man-made disasters. But the Bible the Bible, in a way, not to scare us, but to encourage us of the future, says this. The world that you live on is not going to last forever. The sun that burns in the sky is not going to last forever. And that's because the one who made it has a timeline for it, and he's going to bring it to an end. There is a doomsday that's coming, and what we are preparing for as believers is this. For the rapture of the church, we're preparing for Jesus to say, I'm coming home for my church. And at that moment, this doomsday on earth, it all starts to unravel. It's the whole tribulation thing that you've heard about. Many of you have read about. It's the thing that, start, that stirs fear a lot in believers. I don't want that to stir, stir fear in, inside of you. I want hope to be stirred inside of you. That's why we're going through this series. We're going through it because the Bible says this. Although there's a doomsday coming, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can and you will overcome it. And that's the encouraging word. And so because of that, we've set our key text for the series in the book of Revelation, you know, properly, a doomsday event, uh, doomsday sermon series. Let's go to the book of Revelation. But this is what it says. Here's our theme verse. I want you to read this with me out loud, if you would, please. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Now, last week, I conquered what it means that, what it looks like to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. This week, I want to talk to you about what it looks like to overcome by the word of their testimony, the word of your testimony. So I don't know, if this is your first week back, you might be going, man, I feel like I'm jumping in the middle of something. If that's you, please go to mynewlifechurch.com after this service, okay, and you can watch the previous weeks in this teaching series. It'll bring you right up to speed. It's amazing. You can use that anytime. Like you can just join us on Tuesday at three or whatever, and you can get right up to speed with where we're at. I don't want to leave anybody behind, um, and especially in this series, I don't want to leave anybody behind because this is crucial. The good news about, <clears throat> excuse me, the good news about this passage is that you can and you will overcome the enemy by the word of your testimony. But what is really a testimony? I mean, a testimony is basically this. It's a written or a verbal statement that you give primarily in a court of law. You come and give your testimony. When you do that, right, you come and you share what you know, period. You don't speculate at what you think you know. That's not what you do at a court, right? You sit there and you tell facts. This is what I know. That's part of what a testimony is. It's you telling the facts of what you know. I think a lot of people feel like, well, I know that I'm, I'm supposed to share my faith, but I don't know how to share my faith. Well, look, to share your faith is simply this, share what you know. That's it. Well, I don't know a lot. Fine. Then it's going to be a really short testimony. 
I mean, seriously, that's, that's just common math, by the way. The problem with Christians is when they think they know a lot, and then their testimony is really long and boring, boring, because people want to hear about your life change. They don't want to hear about all your biblical knowledge that you think you have. They, people want to, he- they want to hear life change, and, and that's what we're here at at New Life Church to try to help you with. We want to help you find life change. I remember growing up in church as a kid, some Sunday nights, I just thought the pastor was too lazy to, to you know, design a message, but you would show up on some Sunday nights and it would be like testimony night. Remember that, guys? Anybody remember testimony night? Come on, if you remember testimony night, come on, let me hear a whoop, whoop. Yeah, because that's exactly you know, what we would say. Um, so a testimony night, I mean, you come, People would stand up, you know, if it was a really sophisticated church, they would run around with a microphone, right? If not, you would have to just be loud wherever you're at. But you would hear stories about how God changed my life, how God showed up in my finances, how God healed somebody in my family, or what God's doing. You know, I mean, it was just incredible. Why? Because the testimony is a powerful tool. Think about, I mean, we love stories, A testimony of what God has done in your life, what does it do for you? It reinforces, you know, what God has done. It reinforces the fact that, look, when I say these things to you, I'm reminding myself God is incredible. Look what God's done in my life. It reinforces it. It reminds you of it. It also encourages others to have hope. Like, what? God God did that in your life? Man, like, maybe God can do this in my life. And there's hope that gets stirred inside of people just by sharing a testimony. But it also does this. It gives God glory and attention for the power of him at work. And and you know what? The testimony should do that. It should point back to God. It should point back to him. It should give him attention for all of his power at work. And so here at New Life Church, we want you to have a powerful testimony. We want you to have a testimony that is, is actually multiple testimonies. Um, our, light, our, uh, our cause statement here is really what drives that for me. Uh, as an example, here's the cause. To see people find Jesus and lives changed. To see people find Jesus. I want you to have a testimony of how you found Jesus. If you're here today and you, you haven't really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, okay, you haven't committed your life to him, he's not your Lord, he's not your leader, that's testimony number one that you're going for. So if you're listening online, I'm telling you that today, even at the end of this message, commit your life to Jesus Christ and have that as your first testimony. Seeing lives, you know, find Jesus. I want you to have that one. But I also want to see, you know, lives changed. In the lives changed zone is where you should have multiple testimonies. Multiple ones. There should be things that you could say, look, if I've been following God for 10 years, here's what God did in my life 10 years ago. But you also should be able to say something about what God's doing and has done and is doing in your life in the past 30 days. And if I took a microphone and I walked around our auditorium and I walked into North Platte or Ogallala or in your house and I stuck the mic in front of you and I said, give me a testimony, tell me about what God is doing in your life in the last 30 days, Many of you be very fearful of that moment, not because you're scared of public speaking, although that is the number one fear, but because you don't have anything in the last 30 days. You would want to jump back three years ago, five years ago to something. And guys, I'm just telling you right now that there is a, 
a, a spiritual famine that seems to be alive in the church where we hang on to these anchor moments, but we don't hunger for more. We hang on to these moments of our past where God did something, but we don't hunger for more of them. And I'm telling you that you will be an overcomer of the enemy, not because you have a testimony from 10 years ago, but because there's a fresh testimony being built in your life today. A testimony of life change. And that's why New Life Church exists. To see people find Jesus and lives changed. Multiple, multiple testimonies being built and developed. Why? Because your testimony of how you found Jesus and how he's changing your life becomes a weapon in your hand. Your testimony helps you overcome because it helps you fight off doubt. When doubt creeps in, which I'm assuming that over the last number of months, all of you in one way or another have faced a doubt. I'm doubting whether God's still in control. I'm doubting whether God can handle, you know, this coronavirus. I'm doubting whether God can, you know, keep me safe. I'm doubting whether God can get us through financially. I, I doubt. I'm, I'm assuming that probably all of you in one level or another, and I'm just going to tell you right now, it's okay. Doubt's going to hit all of us. By the way, it's what you do with the doubt that matters. What's going to help you overcome the feelings of doubt. What's going to help you increase your faith? One of the ways you're going to overcome doubt is by remembering, well, yeah, but God's at work in my life. Yeah, God did this for me. God is faithful. The testimony will help you do that. The testimony also helps you be an overcomer and fight back temptation. Temptation comes and it goes, hey, head off this sinful direction. Yeah, but the testimony is, but God's doing this in my life right now. When you forget about what God's doing in your life right now, you drift. Your mission gets blurry, and you just go anywhere and everywhere you want to go. I'm telling you, the power of the testimony, God at work in your life, is like an anchor that holds you steady. Because living the testimony of Jesus, guys, I know this is not rocket science, but it, it looks radically different than the testimony of this world. In these days that we live in, these last days that we live in. I don't know what that, what that means time period-wise. I think we've been living in the last days ever since Jesus was uh, resurrected and ascended to heaven. That's 2,000 years of last days. How much longer will the, will the last days continue? It easily go well beyond my life, well beyond your lifespan. I'm not believing that Jesus comes back next, next week or next year. I think, that's, I, don't th I think that's hopeful, but I think it's foolish. My, my life is to be lived every ounce of it, every breath of it. For as long as I have breath, I should be living my life radically for Jesus Christ, setting up a storyline that others would go, I would like to follow Jesus like Jeff follows Jesus. Our, our story, our testimony is becoming more and more bright in a darker and darker world. Because the Bible tells us that in these last days, there is a testimony that this world will be living out. I'm going to read this. I want, when I read this of what the testimony of this world looks like being lived out through mankind, I want you to be looking at it, and I want you to be looking at it for two reasons. One, I want you to look at it and go, wow, do I see myself in this passage? And you very well might see yourself because we live in this world and it's easy for it to creep into our hearts. We, we want to eradicate that out of our lives. But you also, I want you to look at it and help, I want you to see how, how it is a perfect picture of our society that we live in right now. So Paul's writing to Timothy 
And he says this, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Um, They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Then he says, stay away from people like that. Did you find yourself anywhere in there? If you did, then I applaud you. It's a very humble thing to be able to admit. I see I, that scripture you know, is a, is a mirror of my life more than I want it to be. There could be places in that scripture where you're like, man, I see that in me. I don't want that in me. Perfect. That's, that's called conviction. And what we do with that is we repent to God. And we say, God, I'm seeing more of this world being lived out in me than I am seeing your word being lived out in me. God, would you adjust that in me? Would you change that in me? Guys, I applaud you for that. But do you also see how this scripture is a perfect uh, portrait of what our society really looks like today. And it really, it really is, in a lot of different ways. I think of like human gene genetics and the decoding of the DNA and how man and through science has come to this epiphany moment where we've been able to decode the DNA of, 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 of a human uh, to the point where we're doing some incredible things with genetics that are bringing about healing right, that are, you know, restoring eyesight to people that are, I mean, they're incredible. The things that they can do through genetics right now is off the charts, but it's also to a point where where we're right on the cusp of being able to say, yeah, but we can also design humans the way we want humans to be designed now. And there's a movement out there that now is believing that we have now reached God's status through our science and genetics. That's a scoffing at God attitude, right? I mean, I love the, I love the, 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 the healing that some of those, that science brings, but the scoffing at God is not going to get us where we want to be. I look at teenagers and kids today, and I just think to myself, like, I'm so glad that my kids are all adults, right? Because it seems as, and I'm not speaking, like, to everybody, all right? Because I know that there's a lot of great teens, there's a lot of great kids, but guys, I look around and I just see as a whole picture that there is a disrespect for authority and a disrespect for parents happening at younger and younger ages, our elderly are increasingly be, being seen more as a nuisance as we become more unloving towards one another. History is being rewritten. Statues are being torn down. Churches are being burned as people are declaring nothing is sacred. Addiction is at an all-time high with drugs, alcohol, pornography, gaming. Suicide is growing statistically year after year. There's violence, abuse, abandonment, hate, division, and a lack of trust has consumed our society and our world. And people have come to a place where they slander others, and there's no self-control, and they're cruel, and they hate what is good, and they betray their friends. Just like the passage of Scripture says, human trafficking is at an all-time high, and it's prevalent even in the state of Nebraska, while church attendance is screaming in a downward fashion, while people would rather put pleasure in front of God, which is exactly what the Scripture says, that they will love pleasure rather than God. And more people identify or with the with the statement of yeah I'm a Christian 
because they grew up in church in some level or some capacity, but they're rejecting the power of it. They're not living out the model of Jesus, and that's exactly what we're seeing in our world today. This testimony that saturated our world is, in, is a testimony of darkness. It's a testimony that violates God's very word. And I'm telling you, that means that the testimony of Jesus has the ability to shine brighter today than it ever has in recent history. And it's a candle. It's like your testimony is like a candle in a, in a totally darked out black room. Take this auditorium. Take the auditorium in North Platte or Ogallala or wherever you're at. Go down into your basement a place where no natural light can come in, and light one candle. How much light does one candle give off in the room you're in right now? If I lit one candle in this auditorium and it was pitch black in here, every single one of you would be able to see it. That's the testimony of the believer in today's world. It has become darker and darker, giving the testimony of Jesus Christ the ability to actually shine brighter and brighter. So today... If your testimony is going to be one that overcomes the enemy, your testimony is going to be one that overcomes the doomsday, your testimony is going to be the kind that causes you to stand before Jesus Christ for eternity, then your testimony is going to have to shine bright. And that means that your testimony is going to have to be more about Jesus and less about you. It has to be more about him and less about you. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said. It's not my opinion. That's what he said. Take a look at what he said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then read this, uh, read this next little part with me, right? And you will be, what? My witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Look at that. Jesus says this. The power of the testimony that you get a chance to share is only because of the testimony that Jesus lived. That the power of your testimony that becomes an overcoming testimony is because his testimony is an overcoming testimony. Jesus is the one who said, right? Like, hey, I know you're going to see troubles and trials and struggles of all different kinds, but take heart, don't worry. I have overcome the world. And just like the testimony of Jesus has overcome the world, so can your testimony. But our testimony has to be more about my witness and me everywhere, about Jesus and about what he has done. That's where the power of the testimony comes in. But unfortunately, I hear a lot of people talking about life change minus Christ. It's like they want to talk about the change and the good things that's happened in their life. They just don't want to talk about Jesus because Jesus is the confrontational component of the life change. And I'm going to tell you today, you can't have Christianity without Christ. It's impossible. It's impossible. I, I, would, I would equate it to an example of like you found a bunch of fool's gold, right? Because you were out there and you're on a hike and, you know, you saw this stuff in this little creek and you're like, what? That's gold. And you dug it all up and you put it in your backpack and it's 50 pounds and it's heavy and you march it back down out of the mountains and you go to the first bank that you see and you dump your backpack out on top of that banker's desk and you go, I am rich. And he goes, you're a fool. There's no value here. There's no value. Christianity without Christ has no value. So if your testimony is going to be more about Jesus and less about you, then here's, here's what I would recommend for you this week. Open up your Bible. Go to the New Testament. 
Okay? And start reading about who is this guy, Jesus? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Who is he? If the whole doomsday concept kind of intrigues you, and you're like, but I want, I want to read Revelation. Okay. All right. Then I dare you to do it. Read Revelation, but do it from one advantage point only. Because Jesus is laced through the book of Revelation. So I want you to read that and look for who Jesus is. And when you're reading, I want you to be listening for, what does Jesus say? And I want you to be looking for, how does Jesus love people? How does he respond? How does he react to situations? Because if if our testimony is going to be more about Jesus and less about us, then we have to emulate Christ. And the only way you can emulate Christ is if you get to know who he is. So yeah, I'm asking you to read the Bible from a really practical perspective, okay, and just look at this, at the, at the man Jesus, who is God, and how he speaks and how he loves, and then, and then ask him, Lord, help me to emulate those actions. If your testimony is the bright light shining in a dark room, then your testimony also has to be less about who you were and more about who you are. I hear a lot of people they want to glorify their past when they're telling people about their life. And guys, it's less about your past and it's more about who you've become in Christ. I hear a lot of people, they want to boast about who they were in the past. Oh, I was this tough guy, far from God. I did this, I did that, or this woman, and this is who I was, and da 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 And I'm just telling you right now, like, the glory of your testimony is not who you were, it's who you are. And your testimony really has three components to it. Take a look at it. It, It's B.C., the cross, and A.C., meaning this. It's before Christ, the cross, and after Christ. And if you're going to invest any time in your story, and when you think about your own personal life, let's just say say it's not even about telling others about your story, although it is. It's about reflecting on your testimony. It, It needs to be less about who you were, like me. Man, you know, uh, sent my wife away, right? Tried to divorce her. Um, on drugs and alcohol and, you know, just burning my life away in, in the Air Force with, with no hope, right? And then, but I grew up in church and I remember at three o'clock in the morning that, you know, I, I came to this pot where I said, God, look how I've led my life. And man, look, man, I, I led it right into, the, right into the ditch of life. And I said, God, if, if you are who you say you are and you would love me again, I, I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord, I want you to be my leader, and Jesus met me at 3 o'clock in the morning in Bellevue, Nebraska, in that apartment, okay? It wasn't at a church, at an altar, after a pastor preached, but it was 3 o'clock in the morning in an apartment at Bellevue, and he met me there, and he can meet you there as well, because, you know, since that moment, man, my whole life has turned around. I'm married to the same woman 33 years Four grown children with, you know, marriages that are, that are going great and seven grandchildren. And every time the phone rings, another grandchild comes. <laughs> and it's amazing. And I'm loving it, right? And God just keeps showing me who he is. And I just keep falling in love with Jesus. And yeah, there's difficult times. And yeah, there's, there's struggles. And yeah, there's moments where depression wants to try to overtake me. Yeah, there's moments where the enemy wants to throw my past back in front of my face. But I know who Jesus is and I know who I am. And I'm living my life for him and so can you. I mean, you see what I'm saying? It's like, it's like before Christ is short. The cross, it's clear. And after Christ better be exciting. And if it's not, that's not a testimony that's going to be an overcoming testimony. 
But Paul, he reminds us about this. He goes, look, it is really. It's less about the past. It's, it's more about who you are in Christ now. Listen to the way he says it in Philippians. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I love that. I have not figured it all out. I have not arrived spiritually. There's been a lot of transformation in me. But I have not achieved it. I am still hungry for Jesus. That's an overcomer testimony. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what is ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling me. Guys, right now what's happening is that there's too many of us that have got our past in trash bags and we're dragging it around in this world. And wherever we go, our past goes with us. Jesus came to set us free from our past so that the guilt and the shame of the sin that we've committed is in the past. It's not, it's not controlling who I am today. Paul says, forget all of that. Focus on where you're going with Christ. Focus on where you're going, because he's like, basically, if you're a runner, and you're running a race, and you're more consumed with looking over your shoulder at the competition behind you, you're more likely to lose that race than win that race because you can never run fast when you're constantly trying to look back. And in your spiritual journey, you're most likely to have a testimony that doesn't overcome when all you keep doing is looking into your past. I get it. Our pasts are ugly. Our pasts are disgusting, and the enemy loves to smear my past in my face. But I'm going to tell you today, church, you have overcome because of the testimony of Christ. He has liberated and set you free. If he's your Lord and your leader, we need to cut the past and we need to run for the prize. That's a testimony. That's an overcoming testimony. That's the kind of testimony that gives this world hope. When someone is looking for where Jesus is leading them, that's the kind of testimony that others are going, I want to follow that. Your testimony is like a candle in a dark room. And it has a chance to shine bright. I mean, really bright. But if your testimony is going to shine bright, then it has to be backed up with daily evidence. Daily evidence. Not just, hey, I go to church. Not just, I call myself a Christian. But daily evidence. Because if, if not, then you're living out a testimony that God said in his word is the testimony of this world. Remember back what Second, uh, uh, Timothy said? He says this, here's the testimony of this world, that they act religious, I'm a Christian, right? But they reject the power that could actually make them godly. There has to be daily evidence in our life so that people can see that we really are the people that we say we are. Nobody likes the hypocrite. And you, people can see right through that. Right? And that puts a lot of pressure on the believer, I get that. But it's called accountability. <laughs> it's called conviction. Because, I mean, if you have somebody that works with you in your workplace and all they do is tell you about how fit you need to be and how in shape you need to be and, you know, when you get ready to, like, make a bad decision food-wise, they're like, man, you need to be born in shape, right? But when you look at them, they don't go to the gym. They keep buying bigger and bigger clothes. Their trash can is filled with McDonald's bags. And you're thinking to yourself, like, you don't live what you say. Eventually, you're coming to the conclusion, I don't think you believe what you say. And unfortunately, I think there's this 
epidemic in our, in our society today where people are wondering, do Christians actually believe what they say? Because the testimony of a, of a believer without life change of Jesus Christ is counterintuitive. It actually pushes people farther away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't draw people to them. And that's because there's a battle for your testimony. Your testimony, the testimony that's an overcoming testimony, there is a battle for it, and the enemy's wanting to crush your testimony, crush the opportunity for people to actually see Jesus and the evidence of Jesus being lived out in your life. Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 5 when he says this, because we're going to finish this in just a minute. We'll finish it in Galatians 5, by the way. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Well, why is that important? Well, here it is. Because the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite or at war with of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us, gives us desires that are the opposite or at war with what the sinful nature desires. And this is happening in all of our lives. It's happening in my life as well. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that I am, you know, you know, taken out of the war and that I'm never facing any temptations. In fact, I would say to you, I potentially face even greater ones. Because the enemy says about, the, God's word says this about the enemy, that he would love to take out the leader. When he takes out the leader, he scatters the sheep. There's something about, you know, spiritual leadership that the enemy's going to go after in a harder way. Because he knows the impact that will have. Well, in the same fashion, he's going after you and your testimony because your testimony in the workplace, your testimony in the home, your testimony in the community. If he goes after you and he, and he keeps the evidence of Christ diminished in your life, then people are just like, oh, they're just another one of those guys or gals that said they go to church, but they don't live it. You know, they're just like me. There is no difference in them. So there's a battle that's going on. But God gives us in Galatians chapter 5, just a few verses later, he goes, even though there's a battle, God paints this tapestry, he paints this beautiful picture, and he says this in Galatians chapter 5, here's the picture I want you to live. This is the testimony I want you to have in this world right now. And this is what God does when he paints his picture. He says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, or the Holy Spirit produces this kind of testimony in our lives. So that the world might see this testimony. That we are people that love joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control are our testimony. This is the picture that Christ wants for our life. This is the testimony of Jesus that now has the opportunity to live through us. I want you to look at this really good. Because there's one of these on here that the Holy Spirit's going, you need more of that. For me too. We, no, one, no one's perfect in all these ways. Only Jesus was. And which one, which one of these areas uh, does God want to like build, build your testimony greater? That, that would be the area you want to pray about. That would be the area you want to say, God, help me. Help me in this zone. I want to become a man or a woman more like you. So God, help me in one of these places. This is the picture of the testimony that God wants. So how do we then, how do we let the testimony of God, how do we let the fruit of the Spirit, you know, be lived out in our lives? How do we do that? And you know what I love about God? Is the very next verse, he tells us exactly what we need to do. So pay attention, guys. There's two things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. 
It starts with, have you found Christ? Have you found him? Is he your Lord and is he your leader? That's where it starts. And then it continues for the believer that we would continue to humble ourselves and repent before God and bring our sins to him. Right? Bring these sinful desires to his cross and keep crucifying them there. Keep laying them down. You might feel overwhelmed by it, but Jesus is going, because of my testimony, you can bring your sin to the cross and I can give you a powerful testimony that overcomes. We have to keep coming back to the cross. The second thing, though, that he tells us that we have to do is, since we are living by the Spirit, then let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Leading. The Holy Spirit isn't just along for the ride in your life. He is wanting to be the leader of your life. He doesn't want to just show up when you find yourself in difficult situations. He wants to help you navigate around temptations. He wants to help navigate you to wisdom, navigate you to love, navigate you to peace when the whole world is peaceless, navigate you to joy when everyone else around you is in sorrow, navigate you to goodness and kindness, navigate you to self-control when everybody else is thrown in the towel. That's what he wants to do, but all too often, we put him in the back seat, and we get there, and we get in all the minutia of all of the junk and trash of life, and then we go, God, rescue me. Guys, we have to allow and invite the Holy Spirit to be the leader. Not just in the passenger seat, not in the back seat, the leader. These are things that if you want to have a testimony that overcomes the enemy, a testimony that's powerful, a testimony that sees you through all the way to heaven, then read 2 Timothy and find where you see yourself in this world and, and, and confess it to God. Go to Galatians chapter 5 and read about the picture of God's testimony he wants for your life and say, Jesus, I need to be more like that. Help me. Go to Galatians chapter 5 and nail your sinful passions to the cross. And by the Spirit's leading, invite the leadership of the Holy Spirit to be in the forefront of your life. These are very practical, very practical prayers, very practical application that we just, we can't give up on it. If you want a testimony that overcomes the world, it's a testimony of Christ's change that's happening in your life today, not last year. Let's get a new testimony. Let's get a new testimony of change that's happening in my life. Let's get a new testimony today for those who are far from Christ. Invite Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life. Let's get a new testimony today, a testimony that actually overcomes the world because Jesus paid the price so that your testimony could be powerful. So church, let's make a move to Jesus today. What's the action step God wants for your life? Find it in your heart today and move. Move towards him and let him have his, let him have his way. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, today, as we move into this time of response, where a couple of songs are just going to lead us in your heart that you have for us this very day, we're going to find this scripture and this principle being played out in these songs. And as we sing them to you, God, I'm asking that Lord, we would recognize that we're singing truth, proclaiming your truth until you come. Lord, our hearts would be open to you as we 
respond to you in these next few moments and we would invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and be the leader. We would invite you, Jesus, to come and be the Lord and leader of our lives. And then we would invite the Holy Spirit to lead us on a daily basis. Lord, you are the one who has given us the ability to have a testimony that actually overcomes the enemy. It overcomes a doomsday that comes in our future. Lord, the testimony that we get to live out is only because of what Jesus, what you've done. But because of what you've done, our testimony, it ends in heaven, standing in the throne room of God, worshiping you. And so today, we come into that throne room even right now here on earth, and we choose to worship you, we choose to lift your name up. And as we lift your name up, would you draw the world to yourself? In Jesus' name, amen.